Hello, hello, and welcome to the Learn Something Podcast. Today, I get to talk to my good friend Guy Tal. Originating from Israel's Jerusalem Hills, he now lives in Whistler as a professional adventure photographer, photographing with the world's top athletes and brands like North Face, Rip Curl, and Architerix, just to name a few. Published in many of the top skiing magazines and winner of multiple awards, Guy is such an inspirational dude. Enjoy our conversation as we look back on the last 10 years of his life, from his humble beginnings as a kid who just loved photography to an international globetrotting superstar that he is now. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Guy, welcome to the Learn Something Show. I'm Chad, the host, where I just want to learn something every day. I like talking to interesting people like yourself. So, yeah, let's start off with how you got to the place that you're in right now, like in Whistler. Okay, first of all, thanks for having me. It's fun fun to hang out and chat here a little bit and share my story and just chit-chat. So, yeah, so how I... Got to Whistler. It's a great question. It's a loaded question and we're going to go very far back. But basically for me, in a nutshell, I, I grew up um, in a small town in, in Israel, in mm-hmm. just outside um, Jerusalem, about 50 minutes away. And at a young age, pretty young age, I started getting into photography. Must have been at around the age of 13, 14. I remember really begging my parents to help me buy this DSLR camera, Nikon D50 that I just dreamt of. And I was getting into all of those forums at the time where we'd all take photos and share photos and just give each other feedback. And I just really wanted this DSLR camera that at the time, a kid in Israel, my parents were probably like, it'll just be like a phase, like a PlayStation and then it'll be over it and it will just be a waste of our money. So. I remember a bit of like savings and bits and pieces that I had. I put down half, my parents put down half, and I never really looked back since. The hobby kept going and, and the dream is still alive. And I grew up shooting a lot of street photography. I'd love to go to the markets all over Israel, yeah. uh, shooting a bit of landscape, just really loved photography. So that is my, I always talk about my two biggest passions yeah. um, in life. So first one is photography. The second one is skiing. Basically it, it started with skiing today. It's anything to do with mountains, whether it yeah. be trail running that I do a lot in summer, rock climbing that I'm trying to get more into. Photos for uh, a, the guy who's on uh, doing mountain biking, like you were. Oh yeah. And for a mountain biker now? I, yeah. A bit of everything. I'm not a very good mountain biker, but I can take photos of biking. That's for sure. Yeah. But that's a whole different story. So <laughs> yeah, basically started with skiing also when I must have been a young teenager, when uh, my dad, um, took me to France to join a longtime childhood friend of his named Pascal. And they invited us one year to come with them to the French Alps, tiny resort, joined them with their family and ski. And I remember loving it so much to the point where I got back after that first week of skiing, needed to go back to school. And I remember like crying as I went to sleep and I'm believing, what is this? When am I going to get to ski again? Like I discovered something that I was so passionate about. That was the first time you skied? That was the first time. So I'm speaking about 12. Maybe. Yeah. And then basically I connected my two biggest passions, the 
photography and the skiing and started chasing my, my, my dreams, which evolved and turned into becoming a pretty successful backcountry ski photographer and all around extreme sports, outdoor photographer, at least here in Whistler today. Yeah. And we can talk a bit about, maybe you have some questions if we can talk about some of the stages that really led me here, but yeah, where. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What were like. I, I guess the beginning stage was finding skiing in itself, right? Like, obviously mm -hmm. you, you talked about that, but so what was the jump? Yeah. What was the, what happened when like skiing and photography came together? Was that an experience in a way? So it's, it's interesting. I basically, I, I did my first, my very first full ski season. Mm -hmm. I mean, only skied for a few weeks oh, and wow. a teenager. I, I wasn't a, an exceptional skier. I definitely never skied off beast backcountry, none of that mm -hmm. stuff. So I basically finished my mandatory three years military service as yeah. um, every Israeli does. I was 21 and we loved to go see the world at that stage, just blow off steam, just go tear up the world. And for me, I really wanted to do a ski season and. It just started off with one season in this ski resort named Pas de la Casa in Andorra in the Pyrenees. That it okay. is. Yeah. So Andorra, for, for whoever doesn't know, tiny country, landlocked between Spain and France, but okay. they sure have some really nice mountains. And so I did a ski season there with a couple of good buddies, just started shooting photos, started connecting and networking and one thing led to another. And I met oh. the CEO of Israel's largest ski travel company, oh, company, yeah, the company's name is Ski Deal. And I ended up selling them some photos that I shot in Andorra, which yeah. was one of the resorts they were setting up to, to sell to clientele for the next season. And then one, one day I get a phone call from them, must be during summer. And they're like, Hey guy, what's up? We love the stuff you did. The CEO really enjoyed meeting you and stuff like that. Like we, we want to know if you'd like to come work for us for wow. the high winter season, travel all around Europe, everywhere we work with, and just take photos for us huh. on salary for an entire season. And you can imagine my answer was yes. At the time I was 22 and I, I got to spend my second full season traveling all across Europe, seven different countries. You're talking like Italy, France, oh Austria. I even did like Eastern Europe, which was an experience like Bulgaria and, and Romania, I skied in Romania that was insane experience. And yeah, over 20 ski resorts, traveling with all my gear on trains, buses, planes, like you name it, taking photos for them. And that was just a wild experience. And during that time, I just started really getting into ski magazines and collecting them and getting inspired by the photos. And I, I was shooting fun photos like skiing and snowboarding, but I was also shooting a lot of resort oriented stuff yeah. that they need, right? For their marketing. Mm -hmm. But the seed was really planted, man, I want to shoot with the best skiers and snowboarders in the world. I want to go mm -hmm. to the most exceptional places and mountaintops. And I want my photos to be in the magazines and I want to work with these big brands that are inspiring, like North Face and Arcteryx and Black Diamond and, and Red Bull and, and all of these companies that, that just, it blew my mind, you know, and one thing led to another. And I, I started reaching out to every 
professional ski and snowboarder or semi-professional in Europe and mm -hmm. started shooting photos and developing and just gathering all of my photography and, and amazing experiences. Yeah, it must have helped to have like pretty much a smorgasbord of photos from doing the winter season, like with that company, like you had all these photos. So then you were able to just be like, hey, professionals. At professional snowboarders, skiers, whoever they be, like you had all these photos already there that were like professionally done. So, yeah. And, and the cool thing about that job is that it really helped, it, it really helped set a diving board for me and provide me the platforms that I may not have had financially even, or security to, to mm. travel all around Europe and mm and connect and so I was doing photos for them but also connecting with so many people along the way chatting to everyone and telling them what I'm doing and advise them to go shoot and it really provided me with a platform where I have everything taken care for and my expenses because so, you don't imagine how much travel and see things that would cost out of pocket so yeah you were saying that as soon as you did your three years in like in Israel and stuff like yeah. that you needed to blow off steam. And then this company pretty much gave you like a ticket to blow off steam, you know, Maybe. like we're going to pay, you're going to have fun. You're going to travel. Like you got yeah. everything you wanted. All of the above with the bonus of using it to actually set up exactly. my career. And yeah. And so that was an amazing time. And I yeah. ended up doing photos for them, um, for another couple of seasons, not on that same in-house photographer, it was more like part-time and um, a bit of a barter deal. So I'd have expenses taken care of for some stuff and accommodation. And I could really start pursuing what I wanted to pursue, which was fully getting involved with professional skiers and snowboarders, travel to where the good snow is, shoot fantastic photos, mm -hmm. get more confident in the backcountry, and really develop a career that at the time never really like i never really knew what wh where it's gonna go but i was yeah. young and dreaming and i yeah and i was all in there was no real plan b for me and one thing led to another and i ended up participating in the italian dolomites in this photo contest called the king of the dolomites it's an annual photo contest that happens there every winter in february and, and um you basically show up, each photographer has a couple of athletes and you've got 48 hours to shoot the one best photo that you can in, okay. in this area, in the Dolomites, which are just these exceptional. Gorgeous, gorgeous area. Definitely um, a place that I want to go to at some um, point in my life. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable. That's where the cliffs just like disappear into the clouds in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the most spectacular rock formations that you will ever see. Yeah. Uh, incredible backdrops, dream for me and the photographer. So I show up to Italy into the Dolomites with two athletes, not many hopes, stoked that I get to mix and mingle with some amazing photographers, teams, 13 teams, some of them really big names, wow. a few from North America that I've been like looking up to their photography. Yeah. And, uh, unreal moment. Oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. Do you ever have those like out of body experiences too? Like when you're like, oh, I'm actually doing this because not that long ago, you're just 
you were saying you were just taking photos in the market in Israel and now you're like in the Italian Dolomites with people oh, and like looked up to for years. Like that's absolutely self-actualized. That's self-actualization on an entire different mm -hmm. level, man. That's insane. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I have those feelings and, and every time I'm in a moment like that in the mountains or on that stage or showcasing my photography or competing, which is something I've done quite a bit of the past few years. It, it is, it's wow. Like I, it is like an unbelievable in a feeling, like how did I get myself to this point with doing what I do? It's, is it real? Is it a dream? But yeah, it's, it, it is really special moments that I am grateful for. And back to that King of Dolomites photo contest. Yeah. And we were shooting for 48 hours, indeed, beautiful conditions. And in the end of the 48 hours on the final evening, everyone handed in their photos and town square of this little Italian uh, town, San Martino di Castrosa is the name mm. of the town. The entire town is there, the entire teams, and lo and behold, my photo wins best photo of the contest. Against the people that you were yeah. look, looking up to, you beat their photo? Basically. Basically, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. And that was really, when I look back, that was the kickstart of my career. And yeah, just unbelievable feeling like, holy shit, like this is this just happened. I just wanted to sing. I've never been like an achiever until this time, really. I've never done anything too, too incredible in my eyes. And, and here I am. And it just gave me the spoof. Yeah. Like I, I have what it takes and I'm good enough to chase this thing. And I don't really know what this thing is being a professional ski photographer or an outdoor photographer, how much money or stability I can make doing this, yeah. but I sure have the confidence now that I've got some form of talent and I should, I've got to go for it. Um, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you have, once you won that, was there also like a mutual respect that was built between, I guess, the opponents and, and yourself? Were they like, oh, this kid's, I don't know how old they were. All older than me. Cause I must've been 23, 24. Right. So you were the baby of the group. They were they, like, oh, this, this is just cool that you're here. But then when you yeah. won, was there like people being like, oh, did you build relationships with the, the yeah, you know, I, I would, I would definitely say so. I would yeah. definitely say so. And that's awesome. Even though respect and all of these events, it's good. They're always in good, good vibes. It, mm -hmm. it is competitive and I myself can become quite very competitive, but it's always in good vibes and you're always excited to see other people put amazing work together and, and get inspired by one another and push one another. So yeah, I definitely think like it, it, these events in general, amazing way to form connections. So yes, I definitely think that that statement would be true and yeah. form some mutual respect and, and connection. So the cool thing about this and long, like leading ourselves in the loop, but I am sharing my story. So that's cool. But yeah, um, by winning that photo contest, which was sponsored by Arcteryx, the winner automatically got an invitation mm -hmm. to participate in the photo contest, basically the equivalent photo contest in Whistler over here in Canada. And the photo contest is called the Deep Winter Photo Challenge. And this contest is something that I've been looking up 
to for a very long time, basically being like three, the Holy Grail, I, I would say it was the most prestigious photo contest in the ski and snowboard industry yeah. and, and basically brought together some of the best photographers from all over the world. Wow. And I literally got invited to participate in this photo contest and flown out to Canada the very next winter. So that was a winter 2015, 2016, I'm flown out to Canada. I ended up spending a month here and just forming the most amazing connections and the most amazing networking with the ski resort, with athletes. Mm -hmm. um, I participated in this photo contest, the Deep Winter, which basically brought together five, five or six photographers, literally some big shots, best photographers from skiing, best photographers from snowboarding. Yeah. I was definitely the young buck there and, and they were all experienced. They, some of them had already won the contest before. Yeah. And, and here I show up, this Israeli kid. Um, young and hungry though. He clearly just fun beat up all the other people in, in the dollhouse. <laughs> so they're like, they shouldn't be scared. <laughs> they, they should be, maybe they were, I didn't end up winning that photo contest, but oh. the experience was tremendous. The format was a little different. So that format is basically you have 72 hours. It's one of the most intense things I've ever done in my life. So you get each team has 72 hours with however many athletes they want. I had three athletes on my team and we've got to put together a photo slideshow. Basically, not only do you need to put together the best photos that you have, and I'm talking like you have 72 hours to shoot like 80, 90 fantastic photos. Cause this has to be like a four or five minute slideshow with music and not just that you put together good photos. You've also got to tell some form of story. It's going to have some sort of theme, almost like a movie that connects all the pieces and gives extra value. That storytelling side was something that really drew me to it. And I, I studied all the past winners and participants, and I was just like, this was a dream come true. And after the 72 hours, they basically have one of the most amazing evenings in, in winter, very special one for locals and ski and snowboard community. And it, it was presented at Fairmont in front of way over a thousand people. And I got to showcase my work there and I didn't win that photo contest that year in 2016, but I right. left Canada that year knowing that this is where I want to be. This is where I have to be. Mm -hmm. If my goal is to progress and develop my career as a ski snowboard outdoor photographer. And I was just like tunnel vision. Like I've got to find a way to move out to here. And I did just that the very next summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved to Canada and then to Whistler just before winter time, mm -hmm. set a base here, found a place to live and started forming as many connections as I could and made plans for winter with the goal being shoot as much as possible. And then I literally guess that I left such a good impression on the organizers of deep winter event that they invited me to participate again, this time in the 2017 edition. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't even know if anyone has been invited back to back years to do it. And I don't know why they invited me to this day, but I said yes. And I ended up winning the deep winner photo contest in 2017. Awesome, so that was a really special moment, really special evening. And from there that basically 
set me up with, with a pretty diving board to Whistler and mm-hmm. the connections I made through that and, and to start working and elevating my career and start from there working with even more magazines, getting my photos published, getting my stories out, scoring some major covers for yeah. some, literally some of the biggest ski publications in the world, which has always been something that I, I really wanted for my photography and for my career and just get to go to incredible places and, and ski with incredible talent and amazing people and work with, with brands and shoot campaigns for them. And so here I am basically having been everything that you dreamed of basically. And then, and then some, I would say, and then some, and I don't know that I stop enough hit pause and appreciate the moment that I'm in and, and the moments that I get to experience and how truly grateful I am that I have come this far. Totally. Um, because that's what this can do. Like I, I'm hearing this all for the first time. So I'm just like, absolutely amazed. <laughs> right? And yeah, like, that's such a, it's a good point. It's that like big things in life are so. Like you just go right past them. But if you actually take time to soak it in, like your mental state changes so much. Yeah, totally. And I think I need to do more of that, more the grateful spiritual side of it. Cause I'm always, my brain always thinks too much. What's next that I never really stop and appreciate. Or I'm like, this is good. This is great where I am. Like I'm happy with what I got. It's always that next up what's the next thing i'm gonna do and then bigger better sort of thing so yeah it is really important to to stop and and reflect and and enjoy that and that's something i've been actually trying to do a lot of recent because i just turned 30. yeah yesterday. congratulations day before we're recording this yeah uh, and yeah and i just kind of took some time to reflect on the past 10 years and the crazy Roots that I've come from literally being a soldier this time, 10 years ago. And wow. here I am basically living my dream and so getting to, to explore the mountains and the outdoors every day. And get paid to do it. Like a lot of people can do that, but, and that's the point that I want to bring up in this conversation is like. You were talking about all your experience that you had and their wonderful experiences, but like how much hard work had to go in behind the scenes? Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, you had all these opportunities that came to you, but did they come to you because of pure luck or did they come to you because of the hard work that you were putting in? I would attribute that to the work. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think as any freelance Anybody who runs their own small business can probably relate to this and nothing really ever comes to you. You've got to really put yourself out there. And I like to refer to it as in go knocking on doors and not literally going and knocking on doors here of marketing directors or anything like that, or magazine editors, but it's always trying to, to connect and network and share what you're doing and try and score some more work because mm-hmm. you really you can be like the best in the world and still not everything is going to come to you so at whatever level of this game and any game as a freelancer i believe you are you still got to create your opportunities you can't really sit at home 
and wait for an email or, or wait for the phone to ring. And maybe that happens. Like it does happen every now and then, but the majority is the hard work, the behind the scenes and the networking, which I can't ex- ex- express enough how important the networking side is for anybody who is running their business. Just making those connections, sharing what you're doing, getting on the good terms with everyone, seeing if you can help them a little bit and, and hopefully yeah. that leads to actual work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so many people, like they don't think about that with people like yourself who have this success that there's probably a lot of failures too that came with that. Like your analogy of knocking on doors, like how many times do you get your door slammed? Most of the time, as a matter of fact, you get yeah. the door slammed on your face, right? But yeah, you keep knocking and eventually someone opens and lets you in and, and there you go. You've got a job in your hands and that's the way it is. And the whole journey has been, it's a roller coaster. It, it always is. And it's still something that I struggle with, I'll tell you, I struggle with it all the time. There's, there's periods I go by where I have no work lined up. Then suddenly periods where I have everything going my way and my photos on the covers of magazines. And I've got a few jobs on the go that I'm juggling and I'm super busy that way. And then there's down times where I literally don't know what my next job is going to be. And it's just continuing the hard work, riding the roller coaster. And these days I deal with that mental struggle side of it better than I have in the past where I literally like ride these steep waves up and down top of the world, bottom of the world, right? Now it's a little more even, there's still waves, but they're not as strong, they're not as high. And and I think that really is the natural progression of running my business and learning along the way and getting used to receiving disappointments along the great moments of success, balancing it all out. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of success, I just want to acknowledge your success. Like just hearing all this for the first time is pretty incredible. Like I knew you were good, but I didn't know you were like this. <laughs> so like kudos to you. One thing before we wrap up, I just want to hear like one of your most gnarly experiences shooting for some professionals. I just want to hear one story that like, yeah, that's the one that pops up in your mind. And okay. Yeah. There's been a few stories and maybe close calls along the way, but I'd like to share one from very recent, actually, the end of this past winter. Um, So you lived in Whistler and um, for whoever doesn't, we we really live in a tremendous mountain Mm -hmm. area where the coast mountains, you look left and right and there's snowy peaks everywhere and it's, it's just exceptional and massive, beautiful, massive mountains. So between the town of Whistler and Squamish. So if you're driving up, say from Vancouver way, you would look left, you come across this insane mountain range called the Tantalus range. And I'm sure you, Chad, have stopped by the Tantalus lookout Yeah. Um, when you're driving up and down from Squamish sometime, and you've just got this most exceptional terrifying glacial mountain range right in front of your face. It's so huge. Yeah. So huge and so exposed. And my dream has been to go ski and shoot photos there. And 
I've been terrified of doing that because I know how gnarly that terrain is and how scary it is. And it, it is mountaineering world glaciers below your feet. And this year in April, I made it happen together with two good friends of mine, professional athletes, and we had a mountain guide accompany us as well. And we got a, a heli bump to start the day up there. So basically go up with the heli, it's a 10 minute flight and right away we're there in some of the most exciting terrain that I have ever seen. Wow. Beautiful sun, beautiful snow, untouched. And we show up for sunrise with the goal of skiing this massive steep exposed face so you can see from the highway if you to look closely and we're standing we hike up it took us about an hour to get to the top of the thing and the sun is coming up and warm and, and exploding and we see this extremely steep ski face below us about it starts at around 50 50 degrees so you really do not want to fall because at the bottom of this thing You've got what we call a bergschrung, a crevasse that is coming out of the glacier. And so at the moment where the ski slope ends and hits the flatter section of the glacier, we actually got to hop over this strip of crevasse. We do not want to fall in the space because you'd be tumbling down probably like 600 meters to the bottom. Yeah. How wide is the the crevice? It it varies where I jumped over. Over the guide opened it up and he, oh, okay. he did a, like go through here. So it wasn't too, too large, maybe about like 30, 40 centimeters wide where, okay. where I was, but it varied. Some are wider and some you would not be able to jump over. But yeah, so we're skiing basically at first light, this incredibly steep face and mm-hmm. the snow is sloughing. So basically like flying down and returning Monique and my heart was pumping and I, I got to fulfill the ski dream of mine. I got to yeah. shoot fantastic photos as well yeah. along the way with good friends, but that was definitely not only not terrain that I would be happy to spend my entire winter in, but definitely pushing myself to the limits of my comfort zone. And really we're harnessed up just in case anything happens with yeah. gear, if crevasse rescue, if anything went wrong, luckily yeah. I didn't that day, but yeah, that would probably be one of those special, one of those special moments, uh, for me. And yeah, so that was just now, actually, that was how I ended winter in April this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah that's awesome, dude. Whew. Yeah. You've got way bigger balls than I do. As you were just explaining the, how steep it was, I was like, nope, then I'll stick to my blue runs, maybe a black. That's like a cool dribble black no. run. Like with a at the end of it that falls 600 yeah. feet. Yeah, no thing. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't do that every day. That's yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, but even you doing that once is like, you hats off to you. Yeah, that, that show was special. Yeah. Yes, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's always fun sharing my story and kicking and chatting a little bit. So yeah, thanks very much for having me.